welcome to Music Works. I'm Katie Beersworth, director and founder of Polyphony Arts, and today I'm delighted to welcome composer Helen Lyons. Helen trained as a classical violinist, pianist and singer. She had also qualified as a music teacher specialising in working with young children, but when her son became seriously ill and needed her to support him as his carer, she took the step to start a career as a freelance composer. With her work on a short documentary for the BBC showing at the ICA this month and as a media tracks composer, she is building her career while meeting the needs of her son. Her story is one that will strike a chord with so many of our listeners, especially women in music. Stay tuned to hear more about Helen's experience of entering the specialist field of media composing, her association with the Media Tracks Agency, and finding the support she needed from other women in film and TV. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. Music Works is generously supported by Allianz Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer, serving the music community since 1960. If these difficult times have shown us anything, it's that life can be unpredictable. Allianz offer cover for all types of instruments and musical equipment, protecting you against accidental damage, loss, theft and more. Plus, every Allianz music policy now includes free legal assistance and support so you can protect yourself both as a musician and in your personal life. Now, if the worst happens, you won't be left out of pocket and you can get back to doing what you do best. To find out more about this and Allianz's special online offer of two months free cover, go to alliancemusic.co.uk. Allianz, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. And now let's go over to the Music Works studio where Helen is waiting to talk to us. Welcome, Helen. Thank you so much for joining us. That's okay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so today we have Helen Lyon, composer, on the podcast. And Helen has come to talk to us about um, basically your career and your perspective on the industry um, and um, and all the things you're up to. So let's let's do that. Um, so Helen, do you want to first introduce a bit about, about what you do now? Yeah, um, so I'm a composer mainly for media. Um, so I, I started composing really in the industry um, only in the last two or three years. Um, but I've done some short films. Um, the, the most notable one is actually um, going to be, be at uh, an exhibition at the ICA next week in London. Um, and um, I've also just recently finished a documentary about street children in Nepal. So I've done quite a lot of screen work um, and also some production music work, um, which is about to really take off with um, media tracks, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, yeah. yeah, so so that's where I'm at the moment. I do quite a lot of performing as well with um, a guitarist. So play my violin and, and sing quite a bit as well. But most of it is um, media based work in my studio great so i know this will be interesting so we interviewed william from media tracks on this podcast a few um episodes ago in the last season so uh our, our listeners will be familiar now with how that works which yeah. <laughs> i know that we weren't before um so that's exciting to be talking to you now as you're working with william as well yeah. um i know that the world of um film and media composition and production music is something that's um still a bit kind of unclear to a lot of people in the industry so it's, it's exciting to be talking to you about it yeah oh, thank you <laughs> um so tell us then um how you got into that line of work give us your kind of your story so um it's a slightly complicated one 
Um, although the more I talk to people, the more I realise it's not actually that unusual. Um, so I'm 36. So I came into this in my in my 30s and I'd actually been a music teacher for 10, 10 years, really. Um, so I trained at Manchester University uh, in music and then I'd gone on and done a PGCE and a strings um, Dalcros and Kadai course at the Royal Northern College of Music. So um, I, I was trained how to teach small children music through movement and singing. And I also got my secondary PGCE. Um, and then I decided to be a teacher, go and be a teacher. Um, I enjoyed it um, and got um, got a head of music job when I was 25 um, up here in Preston and um, worked there for five years. Very, very happy um, job. Lots of shows, very musical school, really just a wonderful, vibrant place. And um, had a couple of children, um, as you do, and then... Um, the wheels basically just fell off um, our life completely. And my son became very ill. So I, it was a, you know, kind of out of the blue um, decision. And I, I threw the towel in and resigned um, and had already been having feelings really that I wasn't sure I wanted to be doing full-time secondary teaching. Um, I'd become quite um, frustrated with the system and felt that I wasn't getting much music happening anymore um i think that is becoming a bit of a trend sometimes in schools um in the current climate and i had already taught music technology i knew how to work on the computer with music and i um decided to start a business composing and um it took a few years so that was in 2017 um a lot of that time was spent actually caring for my son um he was in hospital for great lengths of time so a lot of that it was um networking emailing doing uh, work for free doing shorts and then gradually starting to get some some more work and it's just uh built from there really and and the thing is once you start to get work then you get more work and then you get more work and it just continues like that and that's that's where I'm at now so I'm I'm actually very very busy now <laughs> very busy um and it's I think I, I had a really really great point with it a really exciting um point with the work so yeah a little bit strange but that's where I am <laughs> well it's lovely to talk to you um <laughs> at this point and hear things hear things going well and being busy um yeah. sounds like quite the journey yeah definitely um, so I'm thinking about um, our listeners who are, um, I mean, I think there's a lot that resonates about that, whether you're a performer, composer, or any other kind of freelancer in terms of building up those contacts and working around life um, yeah. commitments, um, caring commitments and so on. So I'm, I'm wondering, um, I suppose, what that process was like for you in mm. terms of how it felt like it, sound, it sounds to be quite turbulent having to juggle um your son being yeah. in hospital and building this career did it always did I said but what am I trying to say it does it feel like a trajectory were you like I know this is where I want to be and I'm pushing towards it or did it feel squiggly I I definitely had a had a goal so um I am quite ambitious and I definitely wanted to try and you know forge a career for myself um and and it's easy to say now because I'm sort of through the the trickiest part um, and I, I remember people saying to me, friends saying to me, you will look back at this and wonder how you ever did it. And and I definitely do. 
because I used to apply for jobs in hospital rooms, literally have phone calls with people in hospital rooms. And, and my son's treatment was quite, quite um, intense. He needed bone marrow transplants and he needed two. So he was very sick. I think one of the reasons I was driven so much, partly it was an excellent distraction um, and it was something else to focus on. And also I just felt really, really strongly that there was no reason to just sit and, and, and not do something about it. And I, I could be remote um, and I could look after him at home and send emails and network with people and do work. And I saw such a benefit being freelance I think the thing about teaching and if there's any teachers listening they will know how hard it is being a teacher because you don't have any any wiggle room at all in your in your schedule because you have to be in a physical place five days a week and I knew I could never go back to that I could not physically do that again so I really needed to and we were living on one salary as well and um I knew I needed to make it work so I did Things like I joined the WFTV, which is um, Women in Film and TV, which was one of the best things I ever did. Anybody wondering about that? It's such an extraordinary network of women. Not so much for getting work, but more for a support network of females who absolutely understand what it's like to be a mum or a woman or someone who's, um, you know, got months of no work. You know, sometimes I'll have loads of work and then three months with nothing and that's quite a scary place to be um and I think freelancers will will you know understand th that about it and sometimes you end up applying for too much stuff because you know you won't get all of it and it's a very kind of cyclical sort of process um and it is exhausting and what we were talking about just before we came on is the self-promotion part of it and not everybody finds that easy and I definitely don't find it easy and I think that's been my hardest hurdle once I decided no one was going to do that for me other than me that made things easier because I started to connect with more people join groups um you know go to go to events and, and meet people and um yeah it, it is hard but it's it, you, you have to just do it every day you just got to do a little bit every day emails um a lot of it isn't writing music at all <laughs> a lot of his admin definitely yeah. definitely admin um but yeah there's still challenges I you know if my son's unwell he's still off school for a week sometimes at a time and that's definitely challenging um but I'm I'm in the rhythm of it now so it, it is a bit easier yes a lot of a vast amount of experience with very hard things under your belt there <laughs> um <laughs> what was your experience going so um uh, when you were learning music, when you were a student or at school, did you mm. do composition there? Did you compose throughout when you were teaching or did you just, you know? Yeah, so I so I composed at school, um, you know, as a teenager. Um, I think my mum said I, I just was sort of, as a, as a toddler, just got all the all the pots and pans out and would always be making music. Definitely music is something that, I could never work, walk away from. I could not imagine doing a job that didn't have music in it. I think that's something that I um, have felt very strongly. I would just be too devastated to not do music. So I've always composed. And then university, I did it in second year. I don't know if there's any music students listening, but composition at my university was extremely stressful, unbelievably stressful. Um and there were so many restrictions put in place in terms of genre, in terms of method. 
in terms of output and also in terms of the people teaching me that I just couldn't bear to do it in third year. I just walked away from it. So I did a dissertation instead. Um, I just found it too stressful. I found the deadlines very stressful. Um, and I didn't know media composing was an option. I didn't know it existed. I just didn't know. Nobody had really talked to me about it. And I suppose I trained in the, you know, 2006 and maybe there wasn't as much technology, but there definitely was quite a bit. Um, and media composing was always taught to us in the sort of, um, oh, what's the word? <laughs> oh, sorry, it'll come to me. So you had, you know, your, your standard composing, then you had your sort of art technology composing, but it was always about um, it being modern classical music rather than, oh, you could write for TV, you could write for film, you could whatever. Um, <clears throat> and I think um, the, the thing I remember when I resigned from my job I hadn't composed for eight years. I'd written the odd thing. I'd written a couple of songs for my school. I'd written a, a random mass that someone had asked me to do, but I hadn't done anything really creative uh, at all because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was completely dry. Um, and I always used to sit and play the piano. You know, I'd always sit and play in the evenings. And I remember when I stopped working, suddenly the floodgates opened and I could, I could write. And I think it was the stress of, and, and I had so much stress in my personal life. Um, things were very, very difficult, but because I'd said goodbye to the work stress of the kind of necessary having to be there, you know, five days a week, all of that sort of necessary admin and paperwork. And I just suddenly was able to write music. And then I thought I could do this. I could, I, I reckon I could, I could do this. And that's, actually where it started and I've I do have writer's blog but I haven't ever really had that dry feeling ever ever again I've, I find it you know I find it joyful to sit and work I absolutely love composing I can't imagine doing anything else now um and um I always say it's strange because I don't think I ever would have done it if my son hadn't been unwell and so it's bizarre to be in such a strange situation where it's so it's so awful what, what's happened but it's so wonderful that it's completely changed changed my life so it's very strange really but it's through that that I was brought to it it wasn't there wasn't an external force I don't think um and it's since I've got into it I've done my research when I started I didn't have a clue what what was out there at all so it's all been sort of self-driven and then as I've met people they've sort of said well this is what you do and and actually, right at the start, I, I contacted a load of composers and they actually you know, invited me down to London. They said, come to our studios, we'll talk to you. I got so much free advice and support from people, everybody. I haven't met a single person who hasn't been welcoming, given their time for free. Um, it's, it's such, a, it's such a, a, a lovely industry. It really is a, a lovely industry to work in. Um, in my experience, in my experience, I must say, there's obviously people who have different experiences. That's really uh, encouraging to hear, isn't it? The, mm. the, the your supportiveness of musicians to one another is such a such a great thing. Yeah. Um, Which is why we end up working for free so often. Yeah. I think. Yes. Yes. Well, there's a <laughs> there's a great you know benevolence I think that comes with musicians because people you know aren't you clever aren't you aren't you, isn't it great you can do that could you just do as a gig for free could you just you know and. Um, I think during the pandemic, that really was very, very hurtful for a lot of my friends who are 
you know, freelance musicians and they have to be physically there to play. And that was devastating when when government started saying just retrain, you know, just mm. forget about it and retrain. That was very, very hard to to stomach. Yeah, there's a real um, there's a real underlying um, damaging message underneath the whole like, oh, we love what we do, so we'll do it pro bono a lot of the times. It com- comes very damaging, very damaging lack of value. Absolutely. Um, do you know? Do you know? It's it's such a strange. Um, it is. It's. I, I don't know how many people exist in this kind of situation. I know that plenty of people do. And it's something that I always talk about um, because I think it's so important that people like my perspective on life has has flipped completely. You know, I've always I think been quite a sort of ambitious person, but my grasp on what's important was put so in such stark kind of you know vision for me that I I know it's weird to think and I think about it regularly you know if that hadn't happened if that awful thing hadn't happened I wouldn't be doing this great thing now it's such a bizarre Mm. people think well how could you be happy about that because it affects another person, another being. And I can't be happy about it. I would much rather that the the bad, you know, the illness didn't happen. But I can't change it. So I may as well be positive about it. And I think oh, absolutely. that's that's what we've that's what we've done and what I would always say to people. And there's a lot of talk about people, what's it called? The great The Great Resignation. Resignation. The Great Resignation. Yeah. And yeah. it was bizarre for us because the year before the pandemic my son had his first bone marrow transplant and we watched everybody else with their freedom and we were so restricted mm. but I'd I'd resigned and done all of that stuff three years before everybody else did it and now I'm watching everyone else do it and think yeah you're there and I think yeah. as a as a society we it's it's bizarre to have been in that situation and then witness so many people also getting to that same place and I think it's wonderful I, I do think it's wonderful I think it is a positive um but it's how can we how can we bring up children now to let them know that they don't have to walk in things into things that they think they should do let's you know that that's what i'm so keen to really grasp is is helping you know women particularly but helping young children and and young adults to to see that there is a life ahead and an opportunity but it doesn't have to be well, you've got to do all those things. So if you want to do those things, you need your money. You know, there are routes and avenues to go down. And I mm. think, I hope the pandemic has has made that more possible. I think it has, um, but it's definitely been my experience, definitely. Yeah, um, it's actually a lot of about your story resonates with me a lot, actually. So I, I'm, I had a very, I had a similar experience of going freelance in that I did it um because of a big life change um mm. combination of my mum dying my son being very young and mm. a problem with the job that I went back to post maternity leave and decided mm. I then couldn't do anymore um and I kind of just did it without I didn't really have a vision though unlike you <laughs> I just was like okay well I can't do this anymore so I have to do something else um, <laughs> And just kind of muddled through for a while. But I think then um, I feel the same about the pandemic. Like I did the the move to working from home um, and mm. working 
reflexively and sort of everything. I think it's this, what's striking me about what you're saying is it's this calling into focus what's really important in life. Mm. Mm. Um, And that's how I felt about, so the the immediate kind of thing that made me leave my job was the fact that my son was really struggling to go to nursery and he was still only just one and I was going Mm. into a job that I really didn't want to go to anymore. And I just thought like Mm. everything about this is wrong. He's Mm. not where he wants to be. I'm not Mm. where I want to be. Mm. It's all wrong. If I'm going to, you know... And at the time I thought, well, if he wants to be at home with me, then that's where he'll be. And I cut everything back and I did something very, very, very small in terms of work. And then as my identity as a mother and a, you know, a person <laughs> developed, I, I learned that I need a, a, I need work in my life. And so mm. I started to work more and then it was easier to, but it's always been flexible. So if he needs something different in terms of childcare, then he, it is easier for us to make that happen as a family and that feels really important to me and now everything I do feels like it's part of what I want my life to be yeah that's exactly you've you've put it really well it's exactly how I and and it doesn't mean things aren't difficult it's not a shiny outcome there's it's definitely um you know there's the the hard things have a purpose because they're part of you know life is hard and it's not shiny but no what's really hard is feeling like you don't have choices yeah exactly um, and if you have to be for instance in a workplace five days a week where you don't want to be your choices are extremely limited like you said mm. um so yeah and it's and it's not a negative on other people who choose to do it i'm really conscious no. to say you know people who who find teachers are the most wonderful human beings on the planet I, you know they really are extraordinary particularly you know since since the pandemic and i've got so many great friends who who teach and I do miss elements of it I do miss the children and I do miss the camaraderie but like you say things were put into such perspective for me um and I remember saying to I think my mum or someone I said I can't do both I can't be a bad mother and a bad teacher I can't do this anymore I have to be good at one and leave the other alone you know and leaving my exam classes was heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking um, but I I wasn't going to sacrifice my children, you know. So, yeah, yeah. and I think the other thing to just to just mention is how fortunate I was that I was able to do that because my husband had a salary, and I think it's the privilege. I also I know that that, that my situation is one of privilege in that I could balance that and take the space and the time to think. Right, let's you know we need to cut back on bills. But we were we were safe to do that, and I think that's something else that is so important as well. Yeah, I um, agree, and it's very difficult when I uh, so I was the same. I was relying on my husband having an income to be able to take the risk that I took, and um, and that is a privilege. Again, I just think I think so much about choice and yeah. what having choice means and what not mm. having choice means. And mm. I know that the I hear when I talk to other people about um, who are in like jobs that make them unhappy and I feel so frustrated on their behalf that they can't just do what they kind of want to do partly yeah. because it's just they sod it and and go and do something else because it's just way more complicated than that and it was even yeah. for, for those like like yourself who've done it I'm sure it wasn't it wasn't uncomplicated even though it was possible. no it was very very complicated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it still is complicated yeah. yeah because now we're entering the phase where we're both full-time and we still have three children. They haven't evaporated, you know. No, they, don't <laughs> they still exist. They? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they continue to need your time. So then you enter this new phase of, oh, well, 
now I'm working as well and it's you enter all of that that stuff and mm. how much do we take on and but that's that's wonderful isn't that great isn't that great that I, I get to make those decisions you know just so grateful and, and also so grateful for my position my education and and the fact I am a violinist and a pianist and was given those skills you know given given that that life I mean I absolutely fall back on and particularly since I've met William at Media Tracks, um, all of that training, you know, it's starting to sort of come into come into use. And there's a lot of media composers that, that haven't got a classical background. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's great. There's such a range, mm. such a range of people writing music. Um, and it's yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting um it's an interesting route to take, but um, I'm really enjoying it, and I would encourage. Music, yeah, it's there such are exactly. So many routes in, and there are so many ways to be good at it. Um, so many ways. Yeah. I, I was um, working with some primary school children yesterday, and um, and on Tuesday, and you know they had basic skills. They were they were fantastic children, and um, I worked with a class of pupil premium students. They'd given me the pupil premium students, and they were so wonderful so creative so engaged and just I thought this is this is it's such a gift to be able to just take use music to to enthuse children and and you know that's what drives me insane about the cuts and things that have happened in education is that mu music is one of the things that makes children just burst with energy you know and how do we how do we keep that going um Absolutely. Any thoughts? Possibly too large a question. <laughs> yeah. I have no, I have no thoughts. Zero thoughts. Uh, I have a vague plan that you know, once my once I've got plenty of work, I can do education as well um, mm. as part of my work. I would really love to be able to to do that. I teach a bit of violin as well, but again, that's to students whose parents have said, "Would you like to learn the violin?" Um, yeah. And you're already a bit. You're already a step step ahead there, aren't you? So, um, yeah, bit of a curveball that. Sorry, Katie. <laughs> no, it's fine. Absolutely, it's it's um it's a very big topic, and you've presented it perfectly. I have no apologise. We shall wait, <laughs> have to wait and see where the solutions lie. The problem with the music education <laughs> issue is that we can all come up with a million solutions. It's just they don't fit with the uh, the landscape, do they? So no, um, no. Yeah. There's a million solutions. My main solution would be music every day. Start yeah. the day, music every day, I, I, or PE, you know, sports and music. And, and the thing that used to drive me mad was we were pitted against each other in school, always. Mm, yes, we sports were. Sports club or music. Or yeah. and, and it's such a shame because they, they, they're the two, obviously all the subjects are, are so important, but they're the two that get, you know, get blood pumping and get the energy going. And I just, um, I don't know what the solution is. Maybe, you know, when we rule the world, we can... Uh... I think that's probably part of the solution, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, well, um, and just to round this off then as a last question, um, any advice to the, uh, to the future musicians coming into the industry? Uh, any advice? Um, my advice would be um, keep making music, make lots of music. When possible, make music and um be, be with people so make music with people write your ideas down put your ideas out there know that your ideas are 
worth listening to. I think one of the hardest things about being a composer and doing media is it's so incredibly personal and every rejection and every no feels like a, you're rubbish. We don't want you. And try to not take it personally. Try to think about it as a separate business, a separate entity to you as a human being. I think that's a big piece of advice. And my other piece of advice um, is to speak to people. Speak to people above you who know more than you, who have more experience than you, and say, please, can you help? Because people, the majority of people always say, are they're, one, they're delighted to be asked, and two, they want to give you their wisdom because they were where you were once. Nobody ever just arrived at that space, that place. Um, take opportunities. Don't do too much work for free. Definitely. You know, there there is a there is a space for working for free. There definitely is if you are able. But there is also a time to say, no, I'm worth more than that. And I'm going to be paid regardless of what the payment is. There are many forms of, you know, payment it might be you know um i can't even think um you know promise of additional work and then a contract signed or whatever it is you know don't just sort of say yeah no problem and do it for free um try to um try to be paid and the other thing i've thought one more thing bandcamp i'd like to say do a big plug for bandcamp um because it's um so much better than some of the other streaming services in terms of receiving funds for the actual artist. And I have put albums on there and I've received, you know, actual £10. I mean, that doesn't happen from streaming services when you're a small artist. So find places you can put albums and people can go and purchase them um, when thinking about where you're putting your music. Um, yeah, they would be my main. I'm sure there's a hundred other pieces of advice um but they would be my main main ones that is an absolute wealth of advice thank you so much <laughs> that's really brilliant so there you go now we all know what to do thank you so much Helen, for talking to us today you you're welcome such a positive message from a position of great adversity it's been amazing to hear how you've taken a family crisis and allowed it to lift you into a better more satisfying place in your professional life so to those listening, if you want to find out more about Helen, her website is helentlion.co.uk and you can also find out more about the work of MediaTracks at mediatracks.co.uk and in episode five of season four of the podcast where we talk to their director of media and creatives, William Saunders. Women in Film and TV is the leading membership organisation for women working in the media. You can find out more about what they offer at wftv.org.uk. Helen, it's been a great privilege to have you as our guest on Music Works. Thank you for being with us today and sharing your experiences in your career as a freelance composer and the challenges of also having a caring role. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Works podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing dash list for updates and news about what Polyphony Arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there. You can find more information in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, I'm Katie Beardsworth and I look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of Music Works.
Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance Music Insurance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening. Thank you.